When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to a new episode of The Simpsons Today, and I'm your host, Steven Skolansky. And I'm your co-host, Robert Skolansky. And this week, we're going to worship our founding father of our hometown. Um, Do you know who uh, Mr. Racine was? I don't know who that I, is. I, I have no idea who founded Racine. <laughs> yeah, screw that guy. The, well, I think whoever it was, they were French. Oh, yeah. So that's screw that guy. Yeah, that sucks. But no, also, I, he was probably a terrible person. Yeah. You know, funny enough, I don't know if I can uh, really remember if we ever had like a bicentennial or any type of tennial in our city. Well, uh, I don't know how long your scene's been around. Well, so, I, well, I mean, look, Wisconsin was founded in 1848. So the centennial was 1948 so we're coming up in 25 years i'll be the bicentennial of wisconsin Ooh. did we did did they have a 150 well i guess we would have really been around for that either uh so the city of racine was founded in apparently we have a flag did you know we had a flag (laughs) yeah all cities have flags Oh, I didn't know that. So, well, aside from that, uh, (laughs) the the Simpsons are going to celebrate the 200th uh, year of... Oh, here we go. So, after Wisconsin was admitted into the Union in 1848, the new legislature voted in August of that year to incorporate Racine as a city. Oh, wow, it was one of the first cities of Racine, of uh, Wisconsin. yeah. I mean, it's been around for a while. Um, I mean, they, they they founded the city in, like, the late 1600s. Okay. Yeah. So, it's been around for a while. Yeah. And, the, and, it, and it means root. <laughs> yeah. That's, the uh, city's a root. Well, it's also by the root river. <laughs> Oh, uh, and Racine uh, is a uh, it's a French word. Yes, Racine for root. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, so uh, so this week uh, the Simpsons are celebrating the centen- bicentennial of their hometown of Springfield. Um, yeah. and we get to learn a little bit more about Jebediah, even though yeah. I feel like during the Lemon of Troy episode we learned everything there was to know about him, but well, we didn't. We didn't learn everything. No, not not all of it. But I feel like the stories did get a little mixed up. <laughs> Cause did they se- they separated like to become Springfield and Shelbyville because of they didn't want to date their uh, sisters. Yes, this made it seem like they just found the land without the Shelbyvillians at all. Well, I mean, look, it's re- the winners rewrite history. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so Springfield has two histories of their wonderful yes. town, I guess. 
Apparently. Um, yeah, this is, uh, and I feel like almost, I wouldn't say future prediction, um, but I feel like this kind of story really resonates with today as well, because obviously with Christopher Columbus, you know, we are taught, oh, he discovered America and all this stuff. And then as an adult, you learn, oh, Christopher Columbus was a horrible human being. Yeah. Would you would you say that it really embiggens the story of Christopher Columbus? No. <laughs> he was such a cromulent man. No, he wasn't. No, am I not using that right? You are not using cromulent <laughs> right. Well, as we get into this episode, we will tell you what the definition of those words are. Uh, yes, we will. So, this week, uh, Season 7, Episode 16, Lisa the Iconoclast. Uh, air date, February 18th, 1996. So, I, th- I believe we have, what, six episodes left for Season 7? Uh, yeah, we're getting getting close. Yeah, getting close to season eight. I know. Man, we are just burning through seven. Yeah. Uh, Recap. Uh, Lisa discovers that Jebediah Springfield, the founder of her town, was in reality a terrible (laughs) man. Yeah. So I just like to let everyone know that uh, one of the parts of this episode, um, the story was inspired by actually real events surrounding the exhumation of President Zachary Taylor in the late 1980s, where a college professor and author Clara Rising theorized that Taylor was murdered by poison and was able to convince Taylor's closest living relative and the coroner of Jefferson County, Kentucky, to in order to exhume the body. Oh. A little history lesson for us all. That's right. Um... Another history lesson we're getting is a, another repeat couch gag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is our Brady Bunch couch gag where all the Simpsons are in the squares and the couch is in the middle and all the fa- family run to the couch except for Grandpa because he fell asleep. Yep. And this is a repeat from Home Sweet Home Diddly Dum Doodly. <laughs> yep. Yes. So uh, this week we open the episode uh, with uh, Rental Films Presents, whole uh, whole production company called Rental Films, I like it, yeah. uh, and they're watching, uh, it's a watch it learn feature. <laughs> I feel like we had a lot of those in school. I don't uh, remember. Uh, young Jebediah Springfield, starring Troy McClure. But of course. Oh, who else could be a, uh, a Jebediah Springfield but Troy McClure? Yeah. Um, the narrator of the young Jebediah Springfield uh, starts 1796. A fiercely determined band of pioneers leaves Maryland after misinterpreting a passage in the Bible. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So they, so they, so obviously they headed west because yes. Maryland's on the East Coast. So correct. Uh, they, they headed west. So, so it's somewhere west of Maryland is where the state of Springfield is now. Yes. Um, their destination, New Sodom. <laughs> this is their story. Yeah, I don't really remember watching a whole lot of films about, like, towns. Like, obviously, Plymouth Rock, there might have been a, a video about and some for America, but I don't really remember a whole lot. 
I also like the fact that they actually watch it on film. I mean, we I don't, did you watch a lot on film in elementary and middle school? Because we did. Obviously, I grew up where it was it was all film. Man, I don't know. I would like to point out though that at one point the Springfieldians who who settled in Springfield had to live in Philadelphia. And I will explain when we get to that part in the, the episode. Okay. Thank you for answering my question that I asked. Uh, no, I don't remember watching <laughs> films. I really don't. Like, I mean, I remember watching maybe a little bit of Bill Nye. And I did watch a few things. No, I things mean things on physical film. Oh, the film projector? Yeah. 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 Okay. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what I was talking about. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Probably uh, through like fourth grade, I want to say. I don't remember in middle school or high school, especially high school. We did not. I don't remember film projectors in high school. Um, I think maybe in middle school we still used film projectors. Yeah. I just remember our teachers like asking for volunteers to, you know, help with the projector. I loved the sound the film projector made when the film was over because it kept like spinning the film and hitting. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Kids, kids these days will never know what it was like to watch things on uh, on physical nope. film. No. Nope. Um. So uh, we got an assembly now after uh, this wonderful video of, you know. Uh, well, we see that it's an assembly because they're yeah. still watching the video. Sure. And uh, Millhouse tells Bart that this is going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> and Bart's like, I hope they show the time where they traded guns to the Indians for corn. And then the Indians shot and took the corn. <laughs> God, I don't think Indians had guns, though. No, no, no. They're just saying the settlers traded the corn for guns. They're not saying the Indians had oh. guns. They're saying the Indians oh, yeah, yeah, got yeah, yeah. guns they, from them. Yeah. And then they used the guns to, yeah, yeah. to get their corn back. Yes. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I wonder if that that is, uh, that's gotta be just a knock at the whole pilgrim thing. Probably. Cause, uh, the Indians, they was like, Oh, the Indians will uh, take guns for corn. Yeah. We're hungry. Hey, (laughs) the Indians are smarter than them. Yeah. Um, so in the film, uh, the settlers see a bison and Oh no, a bison. We're, we're doomed. How can we settle here? (laughs) It's one buffalo. One, one bison. One. And so Troy goes and, and starts riding it to tame it. Uh, but there's clearly a stuntman <laughs> on the bison, not Troy McClure. And yeah. when it gets close up, Troy is on something mechanical. Yes. Like, it's like a mechanical, like, well, I don't know if it was mechanical, because I do think at one point in the film, you see, like, hands pushing the thing Yeah, like, that but- he's on. Like, I think it's a fake buffalo that he's on, and, like, somebody, like, a couple people are just rocking him back and forth a little bit. Yeah, but as Troy, quote-unquote, rides a buffalo to the people after he, quote-unquote, tamed it, that was, that part was mechanical. No, they were pushing it in. Oh, was it pushing? I thought that was, yeah. like, a me- Okay. No, they, I, I, I actually had to rewatch that, because I thought the same thing. But, no, a couple people, like, push him, push him into frame on the, the fake buffalo. Yep. And so now we get a shot, you know, of the townsfolk. They're all happy. They're going to settle in Springfield. And the kid asks, how can they achieve greatness? And I love the microphone, the boom microphone in the shot. Thank God. This is a very highly uh, produced uh, movie. Yes. Um, But Jebediah Springfield on how to achieve said greatness. 
is a noble spirit. It biggins the smallest man. Yep. Now, for those of you that don't know, um, in biggin, coined by writer Dan Greerney, is a verb meaning to make larger. Yeah. Even the, so a noble spirit can make larger the smallest man. <laughs> yeah. Or enlarge the smallest man. To, okay. or, uh, or other words are uh, in context mean to grow or expand. Yes. So there's a couple words here that we're learning in this episode, which are now in the uh, uh, English uh, Oxford English Dictionary. Yep. So good. Good job, Simpsons writers. I believe that makes three words. Was it meh one of them? Yeah, meh. I, I didn't. I did not realize cromulent and embiggen. Because I, I forgot about cromulent to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, I didn't realize those were actually in the dictionary. Yeah, they. Uh, so they got in the dictionary in two thousand seven. Oh. I think. I think that's what it was. Yeah, 2007 is when they entered the dictionary. Gotcha. Oh, no, I'm, so, I'm sorry. That was something else. Uh, 2018. 2018 is when it was included in the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary and the online Oxford English Dictionary. So about five years ago. Yep. It took you long enough, Simpsons. <laughs> or not Simpsons. I'm sorry. Merriam-Webster? Ox- yeah, Merriam-Webster. You took forever to get that in the dictionary. Jeez. Yeah. How ridiculous. And the kids cheer. They're happy. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, Jebediah Springfield is our hero. He said the line. <laughs> Say the line, Troy. <laughs> I mean, Jebediah. Yeah. So now we see Enda and Miss Hoover are smoking in the back, as usual. Yeah. Um, and uh, Kerbapple's like, in Biggins? Hmm. I never heard of that word before I moved to Springfield. And Miss Hoover's like, I don't know why. It's a perfectly cromulent word. And the word cromulent is an adjective uh, that means acceptable or adequate. Yep. And that that one was coined by David X. Cohen, a producer yeah. on The Simpsons. So, yeah, these uh, these Simpson writers, man, they need to come up with more words. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like, I wish I could invent a word. Like, okay. I, I've I have... invented words, but <laughs> words probably other people would never say in their life. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised Snoogans is not in the dictionary yet. What does Snoogans even mean? I don't know. Go S-J. ask Jay. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, no, no. I mean, over the years, I mean, I don't know if drone, well, I guess drone was a real word. I'm just trying to think of something in, in the 21st century that didn't exist, that they had to create a word for it. I'm not, I'm not a word person. I know. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of like a word that didn't exist and exists now. Well, um, I don't know. What am I thinking? Something social media-ish. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of, well, Bay. Bay is now in the goddamn dictionary. Yeah. What about which they literally, which they literally, all they did the word "bay" for our older listeners out there who might not know what that word means. It means baby. It's like, oh, oh they're my boyfriend or girlfriend. You're my bay. Oh, like that's, that's, that's horrible. Yeah, and I, I believe that's in the dictionary yet. Now. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Uh, well, I know emoji. Emoji didn't exist. 
Yeah, yeah. Emoji is a, a newer word. I think that started. Uh, I mean, I think I think the word emoji really took off in the last like five years. Yeah, but I'm guessing it was around when smartphones started in 2007. Yeah. I mean, that was a word we didn't have growing up. No, no, we didn't. In have. the 80s and 90s, we didn't have that word. That word did not exist. No. Um. So. Um, Skinner announces that the Bicentennial is the following week and everyone will do their part to make it as good as their national Bicentennial. <laughs> so we, I think we actually did sell, uh, sell, no, we didn't celebrate the Bicentennial of America. We were, that was, uh, 1976. Yeah. We well, were, we, we were not alive. We just have, but, we the, just... but the 250th anniversary is coming up in three years. Hey, if, if we you know survive that long, yeah. <laughs> as long as the apocalypse doesn't happen, yeah, we should have a good time for that. That was going to be a good Fourth of July, probably. That was going to be a good one. Uh, so Skinner says uh, the kids aren't old enough to remember their national bicentennial, except for maybe Curdy. <laughs> and uh, we see Curdy shaving in the crowd, yeah. and he <laughs> remarks that tall ships really help the morale after Watergate. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Watergate, um, was what the mid seventies. Yep. It was yeah. like before that. Yeah. So this episode just feature, you know, features the first reference to Kearney's adulthood when yep. he talks about his memories of the 76 bicentennial in later episodes, it's revealed that he has a son and we'll find that out in a millhouse divided. He owns a car and leases date with destiny and is of drinking age, uh, and we'll learn that in the mysterious voyage of Homer. Well, clearly he's drinking age if he remembers 76. I know, yeah, yeah, But I I think it's funny that he's still in elementary school. This is He's like... gotta be 40. He's gotta <laughs> be, like, 40. Because, like, this, is, this episode came out in 96, and so, you know, Bicentennial is 100, every 100 years, so it's 200 years. Yeah. So, ni- so 1976. So, so that's 30. 20 years later. He, okay, maybe he's oh, like 20 years. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he's 30. But at, elementary at the, school, that, you know, that just almost makes it just unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like, he's yeah. just like, because really, like, uh, he's got, he has to, he had to have been at least like seven or eight when Watergate happened. To remember it, because I feel like if you were anything like younger than six, you probably wouldn't remember it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I like this or not. Like now that I now that I'm what like watching it and understanding it, like is this so even... the water? So the Watergate scandal went from June of seventy two to August of seventy four. So it was a two year period. So if he if he was like eight in 1974 and got the tail end of the Watergate scandal. And then two years later was the bicentennial. So at the bare minimum, I would say Kearney is 30. Yeah. But okay. So obviously Skinner knows that he's yeah. that age. Why would Skinner even allow him still? It's like, like, because he just... never, he never dropped out. Maybe he wants to learn. I don't know. It's just right. You have to like, this is weird. <laughs> Yeah, but he's but here's the thing. He's been in this position for how many years now in the Simpsons universe? I mean, so he's canonically he's excuse me. He's canonically 
between the ages, I would say, of 28 and, like, 35. Okay, fair enough. But but he's hanging out with Jimbo and... Uh, Nelson. Nelson. And who are... Ac- no, uh, Dolph. Yes, who are actually elementary school kids. Well, I've always... Here's the thing, though. I've always felt that Dolph and Jimbo are were, like, they should be like 14, 15. Like... I feel like they should be in high school. Good God, is this school that crappy that no one can graduate? I mean, maybe. I don't know. Uh, It's kind of weird, but, you know, it's The Simpsons. I mean, it's funny, but it's just strange. Yeah. And so, Miss Hoover assigns the class to write a biography on Gemini's Ringfield, and the best 18 out of 20 will be put on file in the (laughs) library. Why not just all 20? I don't know. But so it's kind of weird for everyone's going to write a biography. Obviously, some are good, some are bad. Yeah. Ralph's is uh, going to well, have. We'll find out. Yeah. We'll find out later about Ralph's. No, Ralph. Well, Ralph asked if he could do illustrations and Miss Hoover's like, no, <laughs> no picture books. But for a biography, wouldn't everyone's biography be the same? Literally, yes. Like, I, I, I mean, they I, might be written a little bit differently here and there. But if you're doing, if, if like 20 kids are doing the same biography, yeah, the information would be the same in every single one. Unless you're Ralph and you just draw pictures. I wish I was, uh, I, you know, I wish I could remember doing essays like this in school <laughs> and realizing that everyone in the class was writing the, the identical thing. I don't, I, I, I don't remember, like. The first time I wrote, like, a biography on somebody, I feel like it might have been middle, like, eighth grade, maybe? Yeah. But, like, yeah, I think maybe I did one on Edgar uh, Edgar Allan Poe for an English class class, class in high school, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. But was it it something everyone in the class had to do? Like, every single person in the class had to do it? No. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying to remember if, like, everyone in the class... How to write an essay. All please. I remember of elementary school was learning, you know, math, a little bit of science, uh, how to write. Like, I like we didn't write biographies in elementary school. Yeah. Um, so, Homer, we see, uh, we cut to the uh, Simpson home, and Homer comes into the kitchen reading a newspaper. Headline reads, Parade to Distract Joyless Citizens. <laughs> I mean, they seem pretty excited about the parade. I don't know if they're joyless. Uh, maybe their lives are joyless. Maybe. But uh, Homer's like, hey, they need volunteers to play old-timey people in the parade. Look, I could be a butter churner, a typhoid carrier, an apprentice. I think I'll be an apprentice, Marge. And Homer's like, what kind of apprentice? That's for my master to decide. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lisa's like, how about Town Crier? He'd be great at that. Homer's like, you think so? Bard's like, well, yeah, Dad. You're a big mouth fat. You're a big fat loudmouth, and you can walk when you have to. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And like Homer's like, oh, thanks, son. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. So, Homer would be yeah. a good Town Crier. He is a yeah. good Town Crier. Yes, he is. So now uh, we cut to the Springfield Historical Society, where the dead come alive, metaphorically. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I don't think, man, have I ever been to an, a, a historical society? Um, I'm sure we're, I'm sure we did a field trip to one in Racine. I mean, I've been to museums, but 
I, maybe I guess. I mean, I it's, mean, I, 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 I know it's people funny. who work. I, I know people who work for the Wisconsin Historical Society out of Madison, but I don't. I don't. I never went to that one. Um, so uh, Lisa, you know, went to the Historical Society to look around, and she hits a button that moves a, a diorama around, and the president of the Historical Society slash curator does like a real life voiceover of like what's going on in the diorama. And we get our introduction to the uh, curator, uh, Hollis Hurlbut, oh who is voiced by the ever awesome Donald Sutherland. And yep. uh, cool little note, the first and last name of the curator, Hollis and Hurlbut, are the first and last names. Oh, um, they are the names of freshman dormitories at Harvard. Wow. Yeah. So fun fact for you guys. Um this uh, role that Donald Sutherland has for the historian, the script was specifically written with him in mind playing the part. Oh. And uh, Sutherland wanted to do the voice recordings as one would do a film and start in the middle of the script so that he could get to know the character. Uh, but that idea was abandoned because you can't actually yeah. record it like a like a film. No, no uh, that's a little... It's a little rough to do that. Yeah. Um, so uh, Lisa and Hollis meet. And now we cut to, I believe it's the town hall where Homer goes to try out for a town crier. And we see this long ass line. And there's like a little board that says, you know, auditions today. And Homer says, screw this and jumps to the front of the line. <laughs> yeah. I mean, would a Homer have wanted to get there earlier to, to get it? Maybe you would think. I, I don't know what time. Yeah, we don't know what time he actually got there. Um, but he was he was late, way late. Yeah, yeah, and he runs into the room, and Mayor Quimby goes, "Congratulations, Ned, you are a new town crier." And Homer's like, "Don't." Uh, Quimby says, uh, "May your shrill nasal voice ring throughout our streets and brains." Oh my god! <laughs> and Ned goes, "Well, thankfully, dank Mayor, I shan't disappoint. Har ye, har ye." I declare myself pickled tink about Springfield's bicentidly tea ten tootily written tintennial day. Oh my god. I would uh, never want him to be town crier. No, uh, and Homer goes, You saw diddly uck, Flanders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Gimme that. And he snatches the bell. And Homer goes, Hear ye, hear ye. Ye old town crier pro- proclaimed crappy by all. Chooseth Homer Simpson, and he shall rock thy world. <laughs> God, he must. I wonder if he practiced that. He really wanted this part. Uh, and Wickham goes, "Good God, he is <laughs> fabulous." Skinner goes, mm, "He's embiggin that role with his cromulent performance." <laughs> oh, it's awesome. I love that uh, they. I love the fact that obviously they they said it earlier in the episode. Yeah. I love the fact that they're, they're continuing using those words. Yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, I don't think it really ever comes up after this episode. No, I don't, I don't. I don't think they do. <laughs> um, so Quimby tells Wiggum and Skinner that Ned already has the bell and hat, so Ned gets to keep the job. And Ned's like, "Oh, that's okay. They're only family heirlooms." <laughs> and Homer says, "Less chat, more hat." 
Yeah. And I love when he takes the hat off of Ned's head. There's a ripping sound. No, when he, no, no, no. It's when he puts it on his head, it rips. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. I, I even wrote that. Yeah, yeah. When Homer puts the hat on, he like rips the inside somehow. Fat Although guy in a little hat. Uh, Fat guy in a little hat. And so this line has been used in, in like radio stations and, you know, other memes. And Homer goes, hear ye, hear ye. The Homer broadcasting system is on the air, all <laughs> hollering all the time. Uh, and Quimby, Quimby stops Homer from yelling and tells Homer he is restricting his crier duties to the parade and pre-approved uh, events. And Homer's like, okay. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd just be wa- rolling all over town doing it. Oh, absolutely. I would too, man. Um, so now we go back to the historical society and we see some pictures hanging on the wall. And there's one picture that looks like a relative. Uh, there's there's a guy in a, in a wagon with, you know, horse and horse and buggy wagon. And yep. the driver looks like Otto. Yeah. Taking like awesome. kids to school. We get uh, the middle picture is a silhouette of a woman with Marge's hairstyle. Yep. And the. And the last one is, it looks like, I, I'm, I think it was pro- supposed to... It's, it's Professor Frank. Oh, the last one? Yep. Oh, um, flying a kite in a lightning storm. Yep. Yeah, the last okay, one. Okay, I didn't get that... a, I couldn't get a great look when I paused it, so. Yes. Um, and so we see Hurlbut showing Lisa items used by Jebediah Springfield. And there was like, uh... What was it like a hatchet and his chamber pot? Yeah, <laughs> his chamber pot, his fife. Yep. And uh, Hurlbut tells uh, Lisa uh, he hears the ding of his microwave uh, going, and he tells Lisa he's going to go get his Johnny cakes. And Lisa puts Jebediah's coonskin cap on and tries to play the fife. Like, isn't um, there a sign there that says "Please do not touch these like priceless artifacts"? Probably, well, not not in The Simpsons. <laughs> Unbelievable. So, Lisa should know better. Yeah, she should. Um, and so Lisa tries to uh, blow into the fife, but no- nothing's coming out. And so she blows really, really hard, and a piece of paper comes flying out of the fife. And the paper is the secret confessions of Jebediah Springfield. And so Lisa starts reading the paper, and we get a flashback to Jebediah right. Jebediah Springfield writing his confession down and he goes, the Buffalo was already tamed. He, Oh, uh, his first confession was the Buffalo that he quote unquote tamed, uh, was already tamed. He just shot it. And you see, uh, uh, the, the head mounted to the wall above him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, secondly, he has not always been known as Jebediah Springfield until 1796. He was known as Hans Sprungfeld, a murderous pirate. So he was German? Uh, right? I guess. Or is Hans more Swedish? By the way, I, I had to look this up because I didn't really know what Johnny Cakes are. Um, uh, it's Johnny Bread, Hoe Cake, or uh, is a cornmeal flatbread. Um, and it was an early American staple food. Um, and it was found in uh, from Newfoundland to Jamaica. Uh, the the food originates from the indigenous people of North America. 
right. Oh, I'm sorry. It is prepared on the Atlantic coast from Newfoundland to Jamaica. I don't know how to read. But yeah, it originated here with the indigenous people. So it's kind of like uh, pancakes, small oh. pancakes, looking at the picture. But they're like thicker, like Thick really pancakes. thicker. What? Belgian pancakes. Uh, no, these are Johnny cakes. <laughs> uh, nice. So, yeah, Hans Sprungfeld. Yeah, he's probably German. I say German or like... Uh, well, he's a pirate. Yeah. That, that's his nationality. I, mean, I, I, he's like a pirate. <laughs> I think the Vikings could have the name Hans, right? Oh, yeah, Hans. Well, yeah. But in seventeen nine, up until 1796, I got to imagine he was probably German. Yeah, probably. So, yeah. Uh, he wrote his confession so that his infamy lived on long after he died of diphtheria. And I love how Lisa's, like, reading this. <laughs> and she throws the fife on the ground and the thing and starts spitting because diphtheria is a respiratory condition which is spread by saliva. And obviously she was blowing on the fife. Yeah. And it also so. causes inflammation of the nose. But I feel like that that fife has been sitting there for a, uh, a hundred and... 200 years. Or 200 years, yeah. Since 19... Well, Sim- yeah, about math. 200. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I don't know why I was making it more difficult. But yeah, <laughs> that thing has been sitting there for 200 years. Um, He probably died in like the early 1800s. Uh, we don't get an exact date. So, I mean, that's been sitting there for 180 years. I have a feeling at some point it was probably cleaned off. Yeah. And disinfected and everything. And disinfected. So but Lisa, think, Lisa doesn't know that. Yeah. But I'm sure she would have been fine. Yeah. So uh, Lisa hides the, the confession uh, back into the fife, uh, just as Hurlbut. God, God that's, that's a dumb name. I would Love not want to. I would not want to go to Harvard and stay in the Hurlbut. Dude, dormitory. I want to stay in Hurlbut Hall. Are you kidding me? Oh my god! <laughs> Such, I mean, good god! Who even came up with that name? The guy. I mean, it was probably famous. like it was probably the name of somebody. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. Uh, he comes back with his Johnny Cakes, and uh, uh, Lisa's like. Um, uh, no, Hollis goes, oh, is yeah, everything like, okay? He's, yep, he's like, is everything okay? You look a little bit flushed. And he's like, oh, it's just the excitement of studying Jebediah. And Hurlbut's like, sounds like you've come down with a serious case of Jebediahitis. God. <laughs> and uh, Lisa's like, just when I was getting over my Chester A. arthritis. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and, but here's the funny thing. Here's the funny thing. In the episode, you know, Lisa jokes about Chester A. arthritis. A play yeah. on the word arthritis and yes. the name of Chester A. Arthur. Yeah. Sutherland ad libbed the line, You had arthritis? Oh. <laughs> and the producers <laughs> liked it so much, they, they kept it. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I like it. I like it. Yeah. And uh, the next morning, uh, Marge makes breakfast for Homer. Or for the well, family. for the family. Yep, and Homer comes down in his bathrobe and uh, and his crier's hat and his bell and proclaims, "Hear ye, hear ye! What's for breakfast?" <laughs> and I don't think this was a pre-approved event, Homer. <laughs> yeah, but he's in his own house, so uh, <laughs> I don't think the town really cares. Oh, okay. Ned Ned would care. He could hear him next yeah. door. <laughs> it's like Homer. That's not a pre-approved event. 
No, Ned would be like, I'm not, I'm just gonna ignore no. it. Yeah, I'm let it go. And Marge tells Homer, uh, toast. It's not a very good breakfast, unless it's French toast. Yeah, uh, but it looked like it came out of a toaster though. It so did. It popped out of a toaster. Yeah. But because she did say it in old timey way, Homer says he doesn't understand her. So she replies, <laughs> "Ye old toast," and Homer says, "Woohoo!" in an old timey manner. He's like, "Woo, woohoo!" or something. It was yeah. weird. Yeah. And so uh, Lisa asks Homer what he would say if she told him that Jebediah wasn't who he said he was, and holds up two books with his pictures in both. Yeah. And uh, one—I mean—they look pretty much identical. Yeah, yep. Lisa's like, Jebediah was really a vicious pirate named Hans Sprungfeld. His tongue was bitten off by a Turk in a grog house fight. Whew. Ouch. Did he know Mike yep. Tyson? Biting off body parts? Boo. Uh, <laughs> and Homer, Homer's like, no tongue, eh? How did he talk and eat and laugh and love? That's a good, uh, that's a good one. I like that one. Yeah. And uh, Lisa's like, he had a prosthetic tongue made out of silver. (laughs) I was like, yes, that'll do. (laughs) Which I don't know if it would. No, I feel like if your if your tongue is cut out, you're 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 effed. You're effed in the A. You're you're SOL. Because, I mean, your tongue moves when you talk. It goes in and out, up and down. I don't think a silver tongue would be able to help you articulate words. No, uh, you would be screwed. And the thing is, when you see him write his confession, he's also talking and he does not have a silver tongue. Because it didn't happen yet. I mean, that's... I don't. Maybe it didn't happen yet. No, because that was... I feel like it would have happened by that point. You think so? Oh, yeah. It wasn't just part of part of history? I, I, I think the silver tongue was a myth. All right. Or, well, or he actually it wasn't. Had, or actually he did have a silver tongue, but his real tongue was actually never cut out and he had one made so people would think like, he had like, it cut Like out. people that capped their teeth with gold? Yeah. But for his tongue. All right. All right. Um, and uh, Lisa goes on to say, Jebediah was one of the evilest men in the 1780s. And even tried to kill George Washington. And that so, dastard. <laughs> that dastard. So, uh, uh, towards the beginning of this episode, I said he had to have lived in Philadelphia. That's where George Washington lived. Yep. Well, remember, this is when he was Hans Sprungfeld, though. That is true. Not yeah, but he, he helped, but he helped uh, found Springfield. But that's after, remember, after he escaped, that's when he changed his oh, name. Oh, maybe he went to Maryland. Exactly. Maybe they're, oh, okay. they're really close. Yeah. I mean, I think they're next door neighbors, if I know my geography correctly. Uh, Philadelphia, or not Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, yeah. and Maryland. Uh, yeah, I okay. believe Maryland and Pennsylvania are next to each other. Yep. And so we get a flashback between uh, Springfield, or well, it was Hans Sprungfeld, <laughs> and George Washington. And uh, we see Bessie Ross coming to show Washington the flag. This is the best. This yeah. is awesome. Bessie Ross is like, I got the white stars you wanted. But I couldn't find any red hearts, yellow moons, or green clovers. (laughs) That was fantastic. So obviously, George Washington is the inventor of the Lucky Lucky Charms. Charms. Yes. Hearts, stars, and clovers, horseshoes, and blue moons. Pots of golden rainbows, and me red balloons. So, uh, yeah. And George Washington says, well, 
I'll use it, but I'm not paying for it. <laughs> did Betsy Ross actually get paid to make the flags? I don't think she did. I thought she just did it out of the kindness of her own heart. I'm pretty sure she did. I I honestly don't remember a whole lot about Betsy Ross. All I all I remember is she made the flag. Yep. And uh, Marge tells uh, Lisa that when her family came to the state, they had the choice to live. <laughs> yeah, because like Marge is like, dude, don't bad mouth Springfield. Don't do it. Because when we came to the state, we had a choice to either live in Springfield or Stenchburg. And the reason we chose Springfield is because everyone knows that Jebediah was an American hero. End of story. <laughs> so, so I guess Shelbyville wasn't like that's what I'm it. saying. Like, no, well, maybe, weird. maybe, maybe, maybe Springfield was founded. No, 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 Stench- because Springfield was founded because the the pervert of Shelbyville and Jebediah split off. They well, literally... I'm saying if you let me finish, what I'm saying is maybe. That they settled Springfield, and then they had the fight, like, maybe a few days later, and then they split off to Shelbyville. Or uh. or Marge is saying nobody wanted to live in Shelbyville, so their choices were Springfield or Stenchburg. But that's even funnier. Like, they didn't even, <laughs> she didn't even mention Shelbyville. Because nobody wants to live in Shelbyville. It's so weird. <laughs> I don't know. She'd rather live in a place called Stenchburg that or maybe or maybe Stenchburg is a nickname she had for Shelbyville. Okay. All right. I might I might go with that. That could work. That could work. Because it's, they stink. Yep. And they eat what is it? Uh turnips? Turnips. Yeah. No. Turnips? Yeah, yeah I turnips. Think it's turnips. Yep. And so Homer tells Lisa that he believes her because she is always right about this kind of stuff. I mean, have we really, but here's the thing. Have we really done a whole lot of episodes where Lisa does mystery stuff? And no, she's just the... smart. Well, I that mean, is... look, she solved, she solved the whole Krusty the Clown murder thing. I or the that was Bart. Eh, it was both of them together. It was Lisa's uh, book smarts and uh, Bart Street smarts. <laughs> I mean, I guess she also figured out who shot Mr. Burns. Exactly. So, uh... Well, no, she did, and she got it wrong. It was Waylon Smithers. Because no, remember, was... she was like, and she pointed oh, to WNS for Maggie Simpson. No, no, no. Oh, sorry, he pointed to yeah WNS. Oh, really? Oh, maybe you're all right. God, it's been like so many months since we recorded that episode. No. Yeah, because you're Burns thinking of the, you're thinking of the the oh uh, the yeah it's because we did the hundred and thirty eight. Oh my god! Yes. Sorry, you I was, forget that Maggie Maggie shot Mister Burns. No, no, no. I was I forget about her line in that episode. That's what I'm forgetting. But I'm remembering the the hundred and thirtieth spectacular. Yes, episode. you are not the who shot Mister Burns episode. Sorry about that, folks. Um, See, always listen to me. I'm always right. Uh huh. Just like Lisa. Yeah. Um. And so now we cut back to school, and Miss Hoover is giving back everyone their uh, essays on Gemini Springfield, and uh, Ralph got an A. Wow. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. That must be his first day ever, because he fails English. That's impossible. I know. That's exactly the reason why I don't even know how he got an A on this one. <laughs> uh, his the bar was very him. low. I don't. I don't yeah, know. I, uh... <laughs> uh, but Miss Hoover's like, Lisa, for your essay, 
Jebediah Springfield, super fraud. F. <laughs> and he's like, but it's all true. And Miss Hoover's like, this is nothing but dead white male bashing from a PC thug. It's women like you who keep the rest of us from landing a husband. Boy, I not not to not to get political, but that that sounds like something we'd we'd hear from something out of Florida. Or nowadays, not even that's I mean, I feel like this is way ahead of its time for the 90s. It, right? it is. It it definitely is. This is Miss Hoover's line is the equivalent of a culture war topic that uh the uh conservatives in in uh Conservative politicians and talking heads like to push. Yeah. It's crazy. But it's not. But it's all true. P- PC thug. She's not PC principal. <laughs> She's PC Hoover. <laughs> um, so uh, now we see uh, Homer on the phone uh, with Lisa when uh, she comes home crying. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Homer checks in on Lisa, who tells Homer that Miss Hoover thought she made the whole thing up. And uh, Miss Hoover called her a PC thug. <laughs> oh, poor Lisa. And Homer's like, I've been called a greasy thug, too. And oh it never God. stops saying, no, 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 not a greasy thug. A P- and Homer, you're not a greasy thug. Who would call Homer a greasy thug? Uh, Mo? I mean, I, I can see him being called greasy. Yeah. But not a thug. And uh, Homer suggests they grease themselves up. Yeah. They trash that place with a baseball bat. They break break in and you know baseball bat. Yep. And, Le- and Lisa says that won't help, and no one is going to believe her. And Homer tells Lisa she has proof, and they can go get the confession from the historical society, and bash <laughs> the case with a baseball bat. Lisa's like, "No, Homer, no baseball bat." And he's like, "Oh." <laughs> so Homer and Lisa go to see Hollis Hurlbut, and Hurlbut is like. Oh, you're back. And you brought a friend. And Homer's like, town crier, I'd like to ask you a few questions. One, where's the fight? And two, give me the fight. <laughs> and Homer grabs Hurlbutt's keys off his desk and runs to the display case. And Hurlbutt's like, hey, stop. I've got nothing but respect for the office of town crier. But this is well outside your jurisdiction. What? Yeah. He's just the town crier for the parade. Yep. Not the town crier in general. I mean, Homer is loud. He is kind of the town crier of Springfield. He is, yes. But but oh, in name only, not like it's not like an official title. Isn't Barney it's, the town drunk? He is the town drunk. I feel yes. like that's an official title, right? For for Barney. Yeah. Uh so Homer picks up the fife and he's like, put this in your fife and smoke it. <laughs> oh my god. And he blows out the confession. And Hurl, Hurlbut says that the confession is a forgery and that Lisa was duped. He's like, I've seen this thing all the time. And, I don't think he's uh, ever seen it. No. And Lisa tells Hurlbut that it explains why there was no record of Jebediah before, ni- uh, before 1796. And Hurlbut goes, that's preposterous. Now get out. You're banned from this historical society. You and your children and your children's children. For three months. <laughs> because <laughs> they can't lose visitors no considering i feel like lisa would be the only one to go anyways yep now now when does this three months start after her children has children <laughs> i don't know so she's banned until well i mean that's a good chunk of time 
Yeah. I don't I don't know. Um and so uh we see the townsfolk uh cleaning up the statue and setting up bleachers for the bicentennial as uh, Lisa and Homer drive through, and Lisa says she isn't going to give up. She refuses to believe that people refuse to believe the truth. <laughs> and so so Homer and uh Lisa go to the copy jalopy. We tried to make copying fun. <laughs> And so, so sort Lisa, of, sort of. So Lisa goes up and she's like, I'd like 25 copies of gold on golden ride. Clark's like, right. Um, 25 on Canary, Canary, Canary. 25 on Saffron mm-hmm. and 25 on Paella. And Clark's like, okay, 100 on yellow. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Uh, yeah, that's great. Uh, Lisa, and then Lisa continues and she's like, you don't have to help me with this dad. And Homer's like, oh, sure I do. I always believe in helping the little guy. And you're the littlest guy I know. <laughs> well, well, what about Maggie? Yeah, Maggie's littler than Lisa. Yeah. And so uh, we see comic book guy at the copy jalopy. And he interrupts uh, Homer and Lisa. And he uh, he's like, question, is your name Ridley Scott or James Cameron? <laughs> Homer's like, no, it's Homer. The comic book guy goes, well... Then I would like, I would thank you to stop peering at my screenplay, Homer. And if I see a movie where computers threaten our personal liberties, I will know that you stole my idea. Homer's like, I'm just waiting for my kid. And he thinks, mental note, steal his idea. Isn't that just Terminator? <laughs> yep. Okay. That's what I thought. Well, is it? Computers Isn't threaten it? our personal liberties? Yeah. Well, aren't machines just computers? I guess. Maybe. So isn't that isn't that just Terminator? I guess. Now isn't now there... he's now okay. So he's saying Ridley Scott and James Cameron. I know Ridley Scott was huge in the nineties. James Cameron is are they kind of referring to Titanic? Was Titanic? 95? Titanic, I believe, was ninety seven, wasn't it? Oh, then what did James Cameron do early enough that he was a big budget movie like director? Um I mean, I know he did Titanic. But that's before. That's after. Uh, the Avatar crap, but that's also that's after. after. Uh, here we go. Here's his '90s work. Uh, oh, he did Terminator Two: Judgment Day. Right. <laughs> that's that's why this makes sense. There we go. Yeah. That's why this makes sense because he's basically stealing his ideas from James Cameron. <laughs> yeah. What did I guess Ridley Scott did Alien? But yeah. Alien oh, wasn't yeah, really. Was- com- what did, did Ridley Scott do a movie based on computers? I don't think so, but that's why I said Ridley Scott's been around. I mean, he was like eight. That's why I said he was eighties. Like Ridley Scott, that we don't even need to talk about that. James Good Cameron. Lord. By though, the way, Ridley Scott is old. Uh, yes, he is. He's eighty-five. Yeah. Oh, he did Blade Runner. Yep. So that's kind of computery. Yeah. So, uh, so Lisa then takes her poster to the Quickie Mart. And asks Apu if she can put it up. And Apu's like, yeah, sure, put up your little poster. And then, so she starts hanging it up. And it's like, uh, wanted for treason. And it's Jebediah Springfield. And Apu sees the poster. And he's like, no, 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 no. Take that down. As a semi-legal immigrant, your poster could land me in a predicament as red hot as the candies which bear their name. (laughs) Semi-legal? Yeah, remember he hasn't uh he doesn't have a citizenship yet. That's uh, I, think, I he... think that's next is that next season? 
Uh, I think that's a few seasons from now. I guess if he's there on a visa, he's technically legal. Yeah. Technically. Oh, he's he's probably on a work visa, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so Lisa goes back to the car and tells Homer that Apu won't let her put up the poster. And Homer says that won't stop them. And he knows a better way to get attention. So he puts on the town crier hat and grabs, or he pats, I'm sorry, the hat and the bell are sitting next to him and he pats them. And so Homer and Lisa go to Moe's and Homer tells the barflies that Lisa has something to say about Jebediah Springfield. Yep. And uh, Moe thinks, oh, that's cute. And the barflies are mumbling. He's like, shut up. The little girl <laughs> wants to talk. And so Lisa, you know, jo- uh, tells the bar that uh, Jebediah Springfield was a pirate who hated the town. And, you know, Moe's uh, pleasantly shocked. No, I don't like, think he was pleasantly shocked. Yeah. Homer's like, Homer, you know, I support uh, most any prejudice you can name, but your hero phobia sickens me. You and your daughter ain't welcome here no more. Uh, Lisa, Again, Mo is not pleasantly shocked. No. And and Lisa can't drink. So... Yeah, but they've been in the bar before. I guess so, yeah. And, you, you're uh, a lot. Here's the thing. Especially in Wisconsin, you're allowed, now granted, Lisa's a little young, but uh, you're still allowed to bring your kid into a bar prior to, I believe it's 8pm? Yeah. Because most bars also sell food. Yep. Yeah. So. Yep. And uh, Mo asked Barney to show Lisa Lisa the exit. And Barney's like, there's an exit? <laughs> he has to know there's a, unless Mo just like throws him out every night. Well, but he has to know there's a he he enters. Yeah, he does have a sort of day job sometimes. Mostly as a big giant baby, but <laughs> I mean, yeah. he's a but I mean, good joke. I'll I'll give it yeah. to the, give it that. It's a good joke. Yeah. And uh so Mo Mo calls the town jubilation committee because he has uh something that's going to make him a lot less jubilant. Yep. <laughs> And uh, the police walk Lisa and Homer into the town hall office, and Quimby tells Lisa that uh, Jebediah wasn't a criminal, and Reverend Lovejoy says uh, the Jebediah silver tongue was a metaphor, because he was such a good speaker. I Does that what being silver tongue means? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. I did not know that. Learn something new every episode. And so, yeah, uh, uh, so, so yeah, it's a tendency to be eloquent and persuasive in speaking. All right. Have a silver tongue. All right. Cool. Learning something new. Yep. And Lisa tells Lovejoy that, uh, that, uh, was a myth. Uh, they got mixed up with the truth. And Quimby's like, you are tampering with forces you can't understand. We have major corporations sponsoring this event. And Lisa turns to the corporate representatives. And Lisa's like, I hope you know you're sponsoring a celebration for a murderous pirate and the representative <laughs> a pirate. Well, that's hardly the image we want for Long John Silvers. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, by the way, I feel like Long John Silvers is just a front. <laughs> I, like, okay. So I don't know if her scene has one, but here in Green Bay, we have a KFC Long John Silver like combo restaurant. Yep. It's kind of like I the pizza God, bells I, or the taco huts of the day. Yeah. I swear to God, like, I I feel like I've seen a Long John Silver's, like, standalone. 
I've never seen people go in for Long John Silvers. I know there was a Long John Silvers for, I don't, maybe it's still at the Mall of America, but I know there was one at the Mall of America for all the longest time. Like, I've, eaten, I've eaten there before. Their fish and shrimp are pretty good. How do they exist? Nobody goes. It's a front. No, they went to it at the Mall of America. It's a front. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Sure, conspiracy theorist. Uh, so Skinner says to lock them up for the duration of the celebration. But Lisa says they should dig up Jebediah to prove she is telling the truth. And uh, the committee, you know, starts talking it over when Homer interrupts. He's like, dig him up. Dig up that corpse. If you really love Jebediah Springfield, you'll haul his bones out of the ground to prove my daughter wrong. Dig up his grave. Pull out his tongue. It could be slow. Can't we have one meeting that doesn't end with digging up a corpse? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Why? Uh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. And uh, so they'll have to dig up Gemini Springfield's grave. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's the only way to prove it. Yeah. And Quimby asks Lisa if she's willing to admit she is wrong. If the tongue is not there, and she's like, yes. And Homer asks what they get if the tongue is there. And Quimby tells him, credibility. Which Homer <laughs> thinks is a ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> so mean, I believe that happened while they were watching Willie. Yeah, it happened while Willie while was they were watching uh, Digging, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Willie. They got, of course they got Willie to dig up the grave. He's a grave digger. Yep. Yep. And uh, now that we see that Willie raises the coffin up and then Hurlbutt opens the coffin. And dust comes out as they look in, and they're like, <gasps> And we cut to commercial break. Yep. And then when we cut back from commercial break, we got the, <gasps> again. And I don't, yep. I, that must have been how they did it on the TV show, too. It is. I, I do remember that, yeah. Okay. And then Wiggum says, Gemma Spine, <laughs> Gemini Springfield is replaced with a skeleton. <laughs> how did Ralph get an A on his essay? I don't know. Wiggum didn't write it for him, that's for sure. I'm pretty sure it was the mom. Yep. And Hurlbutt tells Wiggum that the skeleton is Jebediah. <laughs> and Wiggum says they should start looking for the tongue. And Lisa's like, look at the shoes. Whenever I lose something, it's always in my shoes. <laughs> oh, Lisa. Uh, yep. And so uh, we we know, you know, they they see there's no tongue. Nope. There's, there's no tongue. And Wiggum says, well, that settles that. There is no silver tongue. Is there, Bonesy? And he picks up the oh skull my... like a goddamn ventriloquist dummy puppet. Yeah. And he starts using it he see, as he... like a, a fa- like as a puppet to talk. Yep. And Lisa, you know, is sad because the tongue wasn't there. Yep. And uh, Chief Wiggum is actually singing the Camptown Races song. That's right. From the That's 1850s right. by Stephen Forrester. <laughs> That's great. Uh, so uh, now we're back, I believe, at the Simpsons house. Or maybe I think they were back at the town hall. But Lisa goes, uh, she she thought she was sure. And Homer says, hear ye, hear ye. Everybody makes mistakes. And he tells Lisa they should go home. No, they were still at the grave. They were still yeah. at the grave. Yep. Uh, but before they can leave, Wiggum stops Homer. And Quimby strips Homer of being the town crier. Sad. Yeah, Wiggum is able to grab, like... Homer, like, plays keep away with the bell from Quimby, but Wiggum is able to grab the bell, and Quimby takes the hat, 
only to give it back to Homer and tells him to get the hat clean and then return it. Yep. What did what did Homer's head do to that hat? Or did he uh, just wear it all the time? Fat guy in a hat. Fat yeah, that's not going to make it hat. dirty. Do you just wear it all the time? Well, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so now we see Homer sitting at the kitchen table using a clock as a bell. Like, he's still doing his town crier thing, but he's got, like, a wind-up clock. Yep. And uh, Lisa apologizes to Homer, and now they're both sad. Yeah. Because they both lost their dreams. Um, And so now we see Lisa in bed, and she dreams of Jebediah Springfield. Um, And he asks Lisa why she had him dug up. And while he starts berating her, George Wash the ghost of George, well... I guess the apparition of George Washington, because it's not really a ghost, because it's a dream, uh, shows up and like he like choke holds Jebediah with his legs and throws him out a window. Um, and Washington tells Lisa she did good work of exposing Jebediah, and tells her not to stop now because there's only one piece left of the puzzle. Yep. And Lisa's <laughs> and Lisa says she can't go on because she made a mess of things. And George, George Washington's like, uh, they had quitters during the war. Know what we called them? Kentuckians. Oh, burn on Kentucky. Uh, that's not hard to do. It's Kentucky. Uh, um, and so, I apologize uh, to all you Kentucky <laughs> listeners out there. We really love you. Keep listening to our podcast. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I've been to, I've driven through Kentucky, but it was night. So I didn't really get to see much of it. Oh no, I, I was in Louisville for uh for, for booze. I I like that. I like that part of Kentucky. Oh okay. booze. Um and George Washington tells Lisa he'll have to find a new girl to be president, and he asks Lisa what Janie's number is, and Lisa's like, No, not Janie. She'll pack the Supreme Court with boys. Oh my god. <laughs> uh and so uh Lisa, while she's still having her dream slash nightmare goes, oh, let me help you, George Washington. I still want to help you. And then Lisa wakes up and sees Bart standing in the hallway. Bart's like, I want to help you, George Washington. Even your <laughs> dreams are squared. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't say I've ever dreamt of a politician. Oh my god, that's so great. Or like a historical figure. Nope. I've had many I've had many dreams about work, and those are more nightmares. But never, yeah. never of historical figures. Yep. Once I, once I uh, had a dream about driving an SUV through our hallway in our house, and apparently, um, I, apparently, I woke up saying I can't drive an SUV in the hallway. <laughs> okay, I've never spoken in my sleep. That was the first, I think, and only time I've ever done it. And <laughs> Shay likes making fun of me for it. Uh, also, share the drugs that you're on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now we cut back to uh, Lisa's class. And Miss Hoover passes out milk, and Ralph can't open his, so he asks Miss Hoover to do it. But he's like, Mommy, can you open my milk? I'm not your mommy, Ralph. I'm Miss Hoover. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good God. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's so Mm -hmm. great. And all the kids laugh, except for Lisa, who's in uh, deep thought. And Lisa stares at a picture of George Washington in class. And she figures out the missing piece. So I want to point something out. Why would that, if you look at the picture, it's the same exact picture in the historical society. 
I'm not going to spoil what it is about the picture, but did they just photocopy the same fucking picture or? (laughs) Well, let me tell you. I will tell you. Can I tell you? Okay. So the, so this is a paint, real painting. Yeah. By Gilbert Stewart's called the unfinished 1796 painting of George Washington, also known as the Anthurium. So it's a real unfinished painting. So there was never anything torn off of it. This was actually a real painting done. So the picture, so the painting in Lisa's classroom was real, but not at the historical society for the purposes of the plot. Yes. Okay. Nope. So obviously this is just a riff on that painting. Yes. Saying that, oh, it was torn by Gemini Springfield, not actually an unfinished painting. Well, yeah, spoiler alert. Oh, they know. <laughs> they know. But anyway, Lisa runs out of class because she solves it. Yeah. And so her old butt is uh, sweeping up. And uh, what do you know? He sweeps it under the dress of an animatronic, wood, animatronic woman. I would like uh, to point out, um, according to the book, it's a mannequin. But I don't think that's a mannequin. Because it's on like a metal pole. Yeah. Yep. And, it looks uh, more animatronic than a mannequin. Yep. And uh, he looks up to see Lisa looking at him. <laughs> and he asks, what are you doing here? Because you're banned. Yeah. yeah. And you and your children's children. For three months. For three months. <laughs> yeah. Lisa tells him that she was right about Jebediah. And now she could prove it. And he pulls out the confession out of the trash. Which... Would he have just emptied the trash and got rid of all the evidence? Yeah, I would have. Like the moment they left. Would exactly. Would have that piece of paper up. What a lazy uh, curator. Uh, well, he thought, well, here's the thing. He probably thought he, he um, nobody would have ever figured it out. So he figured he would just wait until trash day. I guess. So Hurlbut asks Lisa if, he'll, uh, if Lisa will stop and mentions uh, uh, the silver tongue. That can't be found. And Lisa accuses of uh, Hurlbut of stealing it. And Hurlbut says, that's a lie. It's my job to seek out the truth. And it's like, yeah, when you came upon the truth, you could take it. Uh, Because you devoted, because you would have uh, had devoted your life to a fraud. Yeah. 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 And and I love how Hurlbut still denies what Lisa is saying. But he kind of gives away the location of the silver tongue by kind of like an eye like, flick. Like, yeah. he was he was like, oh, it's over there. But I can't tell her that. But she saw the eyes. Yeah. And he hid it under like a Western display. Like it's wearing stirrups and a gun belt. And I think he did a pretty good job. Yeah. And uh, Hurlbut explains that he didn't think anyone would find the tongue. And when he opened the coffin, he couldn't stand looking at it. It's like he was giving him the raspberry from beyond the grave. And he pocketed it before the dust could settle. Yeah. And uh, Hurlbut thought that he had fooled Lisa, which she says until she realized the confession said more than it had meant to. And she realized that it was written on the back of a piece of paper torn from George Washington's painting. Yeah, so we get a we get a, a flashback of the end of the fight where his uh, foot steps on the painting and rips rips off the paper. Yep. And so uh, Hurlbut says that the celebration is a sham and he says they need to tell the people. And so Hurl, uh, Hurlbut and Lisa run through the, like they like cross the street 
through like a bunch of people uh, to get to the stage where there's a microphone to stop the parade. And uh, Herbert's like, stop the parade, stop the parade. And Moe's like, what is going on? <laughs> and so they all turn around to look at uh, Hollis and Lisa. And Hurlbut announces that Lisa has found something out about Jebediah that they need to hear. So Lisa tries to tell the people, she's like, Jebediah was, Jebediah was, she's like, I don't know how to say what I, what I need to say. And Mrs. Glick, of all people, tells her to, you know, think of Jebediah Springfield and the world's <laughs> words will come. Uh, that's the problem, Mrs. Glick. Yeah. Um, and so Lisa tells the crowd that she has done a lot of research on Jebediah. And so they cut to a roof <laughs> where a sniper and Mayor Quimby are sitting watching her. And Quimby tells the sniper to hold off uh, and wait to hear what Lisa has to say. So we cut back to Lisa and Lisa, you know, she's trying to talk and she looks around and everybody's like smiling at her and. Like Marge is like They're an old timey Yeah, everybody's happy. They're all having a good time. And so Lisa lies and says he was great. And Mrs. Glip starts clapping for Lisa and everybody joins in. And Apu tells uh Lisa that Jebediah would be proud of her. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, the parade continues on, starts back up. And so Hollis asks Lisa. Why she didn't tell the crowd about Jebediah, and she says the myth of Jebediah has value as well, and that it has, that it has brought out the best in everyone. Yeah, um, I mean that's true. I mean, if they don't know who he was, yeah, although oblivious to the truth. Yeah, but sometimes being ignorant isn't always for the best, especially when you're celebrating a tyrant. Yep. Um. So as Lisa and Hurlbut walk away. The sniper takes a shot and misses Lisa. Was <laughs> Why that it? Were they was, still was, shooting at her? I, I don't know. Maybe Quimby's like, okay, she's done. Take the shot. Well, yeah, they couldn't actually hear what she said. They no, probably on a microphone. I guess. Well, they were pretty far away, but maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I mean, it is possible maybe Quimby didn't know what she, what she said. So he's like, screw it. Take the shot. Yeah, but we then gotta, it was too late. We gotta know. Yeah. Um, and so now we see Ned walking uh, in the parade in his town crier outfit and Homer like follows him on the sidewalk and Homer's just like, oh, he's like looking at Ned and he's, you know, getting pissier and pissier. And he's like, ah, screw it. And he jumps the barriers and pushes Ned out of the way while grabbing the bell and hat. Yep. And, and this, s- just to let you know, this is another reference. And this is a reference. Uh, so when Homer knocks over Ned Flanders in order to take his job as town crier, it is a reference to the film National Lampoon's Animal House from 1978. Oh, interesting. Didn't really I, see it, but okay. You never like, seen I Animal House? See, no, I've seen it. Like, I didn't see the, I don't see where that connection is. It's uh during the, the frat parade at the end of the movie. What, did somebody get pushed out of the way or something? Yeah, when uh, the guy, I can't remember the guy's name, when he actually grabs the, the thing to lead the band off course. Oh yeah. Okay. And so Homer's like, hear ye, hear ye. And Helen Lovejoy says, Homer is not the official town crier. <laughs> She's just like the police do something. And, w- and Wiggum, Eddie and Lou are all watching. And Wiggum's like, I don't, I, I don't care. Homer is too damn good. And he's like, let him march boys. Let the man march. Yep. 
And then Lisa comes out and jumps on Homer's shoulders to ring the bell as the credits roll. And then we get a shot of Jebediah Springfield's statue um, is shown as the credits are rolling. And we get a song, uh, Jebediah, the closing theme, Jebediah uh, Springfield theme. Hitch that, uh, hitch that team up, Jebediah Springfield. Whip them horses. Let them wagons roll. That's a people might embiggen America. <laughs> that a man might embiggen his soul. His soul. His soul. And that song is on the first Simpsons album. Nice. Yeah, I I really enjoy this episode. Um, it's very well written. The the gags are funny. You know, you get Lisa going into like the Nancy Drew kind of spiel. Um, it's a nice like a, a you know it's it's a fantastic just a story. You know, it's just about Jebediah Springfield. That's the story. It's yep. great. I know there's a little bit of inconsistencies here and there about, you know, when the town was settled. And um, and I like the fact that, you know, honestly, this is probably one of the very, I wouldn't say few episodes. But this is one of the few episodes of this era of Simpsons that if you were to watch this episode today, it still holds so much water. Yeah. It, it's still so relevant because, you know... There, you know, the town is celebrating a man that they thought was a good person, did the right things, was there for the people, but in actuality, he was a horrible monster. You know, he he did horrific things, and sometimes it's okay not to learn about it. Me personally, you should know history, but the fact of the matter is, outside of Lisa, nobody else would have done the actual like research to find out who Jebediah was. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, of course Lisa's going to find out. I love the town crier stuff with Homer. That's fantastic. Donald Sutherland, great choice for the, the curator. Um, so I'm going to give it a five. Everything's coming out Millhouse. It's a fantastic episode. It really is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go five. Everything's coming out Millhouse as well. I, I love when this episode comes on. Um, Donald Sutherland is fantastic. Um, I like that as a celebrity, like without knowing that he was the voice, hearing his voice kind of makes you, Oh, that's Donald Sutherland. Like his voice portrayed very well in this episode. Yeah. Um, um, and you know, Homer's like, uh, one, where's the five? Two, Two. give me the five. (laughs) I love that. I mean, that's just, that's just great. I love um, the line where he's like, hear ye, hear ye, the Homer broadcasting system is on the air, all hollering all the time. I love, like, and I hear, well, when I used to listen to radio a little bit more, they, like, radio, like rock radio stations love using that line. Yeah. No, so, I mean, I mean, this is, I mean, there's so many great lines in this episode. I mean. This is a very cromulent episode. It is. It embiggens us all. Our hearts and souls okay. um, to watch more Simpsons. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, I, I guess really the only, I, it's not really a downside, but the only thing is, is I just don't necessarily agree with the two different, like Jebediah Springfield <laughs> stories. Um, well, it's, not gonna, it's not going to take the other thing too. And going back to that, it's also possible that, you know, Marge just doesn't know. Like that, you know, maybe, maybe 
Like somebody said, oh yeah, we chose between Stenchburg and Springfield, but Stenchburg was Shelbyville. No, I'm just saying there's, if you let me finish, there's two different stories of Gemini and Springfield. One is the Lemon to Troy version. And then there's this version. But again, now now maybe this happened after they split. Yeah. The Lemon, the Lemon, the Lemon of Troy, the Lemon Tree that happened after they split. Yeah, I don't know. It's I guess it could be an extension, but maybe they it definitely could, is an extension. Like there's nothing they settled in 1796. We don't know anything before. Like he probably came with everybody and they split off, but before that we don't know anything and now we do. Like it is yeah. an extension. Yeah. Um but other than that, I would say fantastic episode 5 yeah. everything's coming up Millhouse. Uh so let's finish it off with our character profile and this week we have the hurl butt himself, Hollis. Um, his occupation, president of the Springfield Historical Society, where the dead come alive. Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> uh, ideal snack, fresh brewed chicory, and microwave Johnny cakes. Yep. Uh, his illnesses, <laughs> jebeditis, oh, and denial. I don't know if denial is really an illness, but okay. I, I don't know. Uh, secret talent. The old swipe the silver tongue from the mouth of a corpse trick. What? <laughs> I is mean, that a t- that's, a, that's a pretty good tally. He had to get in and out before the dust settled, man. But that's what, what silver tongue. That's not a trick. It's not even a secret talent. You just swipe something. Yeah. Uh, his secret shame sweeps dirt under the hoop skirts of his mannequins. I don't yeah. know if, the, if that's secret anymore. Lisa found out. Yeah. Uh, but I love it. He's like, here's the fife upon which he sounded the sweet note of freedom. His hatchet with which he hacked at the chains of oppression and his chamber pot, <laughs> which he shat in every night. Well, maybe not shat, <laughs> but definitely took a piss. Yeah, exactly. So, uh... Come and find us. We're on the uh, social medias. Uh, you can head over to Instagram, The Simpsons Did It Pod. You can head over to Facebook, The Simpsons Did It Podcast. Um, you can listen to our podcast on all podcasting platforms. But if you listen on Apple Podcasts, make sure to subscribe and rate and review us. That would be absolutely fantastic and we'd really appreciate it. If you listen to our podcast on YouTube, make sure to uh, subscribe, like our channel, Um comment we'll comment back it's just at the simpsons did podcast that's it it's all you got to do to head over to youtube and do that thing um and uh if you'd like to uh give us some feedback about how we're doing on our podcast head over to your cell phone open up the phone app and dial 612-584-0986 listen to Jaden lebron's voicemail uh we'd really appreciate any voicemail messages listened and you might be able to hear your comment on our podcast. So what could be better? And lastly, if you'd like to donate to our podcast, head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash The Simpsons Did It and donate us a duff or two and all your proceeds will go to uh, helping out this podcast. So until next time, I'm Steven Skolansky. And I'm Robert Skolansky. And this has been The Simpsons Did It. Shh. 